0: Hey, this is Tim from Kalamunda Church of Christ. And today I hope that this podcast blesses you. If you are wanting to know anything more about our beautiful church, why don't you hop online and head to our website at Church. Yes, Lord. And that attitude of worship and prayer, that's what we want to declare. I hope you want to declare that this morning, that it's all about one person. It's all about one name. And glory to one person only, and his name is Jesus. So, Father, we lift you up this morning. We thank you so much for your presence in this place that comes with purpose and comes with a plan to transform, that we're not here by accident, that we're not just here to fill in time, we're not a club, an organisation, but we are the living body of Christ on the earth today. So, Father, we thank you that we are healthy, we are strong in you, we have all we need in you. And this morning, you would have desire that nobody would leave the same. Lord, that you would uh, deposit into us something fresh this morning. And we can go, I haven't met with Brad, I haven't met with people, I've met with the Lord this morning. That people would say they have been with Jesus. And everybody with faith said, Amen. Amen, Amen. God bless you. Well, take please take a seat, and it's a real privilege and honour to be with you this Sunday. And as I grabbed them keys, and I just want I felt to say like they are heavy keys. And just on a serious note, over being in ministry for a while, and um, not not a huge amount of time. I started in about 2006, but at a few different churches. I really well one thing God has developed in me in the process, the four month process of coming to this role, is really understanding the weight of saying yes to Jesus. That there is a weight to say yes to this role and and a responsibility and, and, and something to answer to the Lord for and I don't take that lightly. I take as I take I take that weight and I say, Lord, man, I need you. I humbly need your help, I need everything, and and we all do, but I just wanted to share that with you, that it is an honour and a privilege to to begin this journey, and uh, I just really want to honour you as a church, uh, Brian, Tim, Dave, uh, the the staff, um, and the church as a whole, all of you as a whole, for the journey that you've been on, um, and for what you've gone through and where you're up to now, I feel incredibly privileged and humbled to be stepping in at this time and this season with a real sense that God's hand is on this for our own journey of where we've been and, and, and just how things have worked out. I just sense that and I don't say that lightly. I remember saying, if you remember my first couple of sermons here as a, as a guest speaker, I'm very content to keep shearing sheep. <laughs> in fact, I was getting used to the money <laughs> and the lifestyle and the weekends But, you know, and I mean that, but I really feel now this is the time, this is the season to step in, to take uh, the next step. So I'm excited. It's great. It's a real blessing. So this morning, I'm not going to get real heavy with you this morning, except to say a few things. I want to share uh, just one or two key scriptures this morning, and it's going to be a little bit different. Is that all right? That's That's good. So this morning I want to share with you from uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. I was going to go through a bit of Ephesians, but I'm not going to, it's not going to be highly theological this morning, more relational. But you're going to get some timeless truths from God through this. I love this scripture in Ephesians 2, 10, where it talks about that for, um, for we are God's masterpiece, or workmanship. We are God's handiwork. Three different words, masterpiece, workmanship, handiwork. We are God's handiwork. Kelamunda Church of Christ is undergoing God's handiwork. Our lives have the opportunity when we say yes to Jesus to undergo God's workmanship, his his creativity, his handiwork. And we're created in Christ Jesus to just wait till we die and go to heaven. Doesn't say that, does it? We're created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. The truth is we are not saved because of good works. You are not saved from good works. But when you are saved, you will be saved for great works for God. And we're about to step into some great works and continue on. You see, see, I really feel that the journey you've been on, I don't, I don't come in and we're, we start now. You, you're moving. This is a church that's moving. This is a people of God that are on a journey. And so as I come in, I feel like I'm getting on board what God is doing. And I'm just going to play my part, my role, and, and we're going to keep doing this together as the family of God, as the people of God. getting goosebumps just talking about it. For the good works that God has. I, I like the thought from this scripture that God has got it planned. I remember uh, we've been married, Sky and I, for about 18 years now. And I think I've got a photo of our first year wedding anniversary. Not real clear because that's, that was taken in 2005. Back in the olden days. Not really. 2005. I remember, see, I was sheep shearing in quarter. out out, out for a week out there a bit of a camp out so to speak and I remember for that whole week I thought it's our first wedding anniversary coming up and I thought I'm going to do something awesome like I'm going to now I regret this decision because if you set the bar that high (laughs) on your first year I'm but you're about to learn that it was all downhill from there But I thought, I'm going to do something amazing. So I was getting creative. I thought of a helicopter ride around the city. That's out of the budget. I thought of flowers. And I thought, so I came up and I made this whole plan. Sky knew nothing. She just knew that at about one o'clock on that Saturday, she needed to be dressed and mighty fine and ready to go. And uh, she just didn't know what was happening. So I planned this Mustang ride. You can't see the number plate. That was the funny bit. Number plate's got topless written on it, which didn't happen. But they, um, it's funny. and, And we planned this Mustang to pick us up. And it would take us through King's Park and around the city as champagne and just, just, just cruising around, and then it would drop us off at a, at, at a hotel, and we'd have a beautiful dinner, and I planned that, and, and, and all the rest of the fun things that we could do for our anniversary. And we planned this night, and you know what? I totally forgot that when you, uh, you get taken to a hotel and dropped off, you need to get home somehow. <laughs> there was no Uber. And I just didn't really think it through. I'm so glad that God isn't playing. But you know, the thing I love about this story is Skye had no idea what was going on. It's a little bit like our marriage, to be honest. Skye sometimes has no idea what could happen next, where we're going next. We've moved states for the call of God, and she's just gone. With Skye's heart has always been, yes, let's roll. Yes, I'm ready to go. And you know, so it is with the body of Christ, that God is looking for a bride that will say, yes, God. I'm ready to go. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know exactly where we're going, but I'm saying yes to you, Jesus. I don't know all the details, but the reason I can say yes is because I trust in who's taking us. I want to assure you this morning, this isn't a Brad journey we're about to go on. We're on a God journey. We trust, as Jenny has said, I love that, the trust in Jesus, in his appointment and anointment for what's going on here and where we're moving. We trust in him. And I want to encourage you to be the kind of people and me to be the kind of person that just says Yes, let's go, because we are created in Christ Jesus. And that word in uh, the next slide, thanks, that word in um, handiwork, masterpiece, in the Greek it's, I can't even pronounce it, but poema, which actually means to make, and it comes, I love this, it comes, the word that we get, our English word comes from this, the English word is poem. We are God's poetry in motion, uh, God is writing a prophetic story, a prophetic poem. I, I love poetry. I love songs. I love creativity. I love it when things rhyme. It just—you it, know—it might not make sense as you go, but there's a sweetness about it. And God, God is writing a prophetic story through our lives, not just through a Sunday morning, but he's wanting to write a prophetic story through your relationships, through your family, through your workplace, through us as, a, as a, the life of the church and the way that he creates and, and writes this prophetic story is only by when we say yes to Jesus. And so this morning, I would like to share a bit of our journey of saying yes to Jesus and encourage you, because I feel like some of you don't know me and some of you do, but I want to just share, if that's okay, a few stories with some lessons I've learned about saying yes to Jesus. I remember when I was 10 years old, I grew up in the Muck and Boudin, and my mum and dad, who are here this morning, thanks for coming, uh, they, they, they were saved in a little uh, mini revival that swept through Muck and Boudin, and people coming to know Jesus. So I grew up going to little old Muckambuddin Church of Christ in High Phil Aiken. I see one of the elders at the time when I started going and he's here. And I, I remember as a 10-year-old going along to the to church, they had a traveling evangelist come through by the name of Glenn Weeks, an American evangelist. He would sing the gospel so strongly and he would preach the gospel. And sitting there as a 10-year-old, I remember just the butterflies in my heart as he said, hey, if you're here tonight and you need to give your life to Jesus. As a 10-year-old, I just understood so simply that I have a choice to make, that I'm a sinner in need of saving. And I remember he said these words, and I was ten. and he said, if you take the first step out of your seat and say yes, God will take the rest for you. And I decided to take that first step. Isn't that the truth? The lesson I learned, sometimes you don't have to go the whole step, just take the first step. Just take that first step. Next minute I was down there and I gave my life to the Lord and I've never sinned since. I've been perfect ever since. I've had a perfect life. (laughs) Ten years. And the journey began of saying yes to Jesus. You know, I'm a big believer in the power of a born again experience. Jesus said, unless you are born again, you cannot even see the kingdom of God. Unless you are born again, what does that mean? You are born from above. You're not just naturally born by the water, but by the spirit of God. And you're that regeneration, I'm a big believer in creating events and opportunities. That's why I love the church gathered, because the church gathered is not just for our holy huddle. It's for some born-again experiences. It's for people to say yes to Jesus. I remember saying to the, in my, one of my interviews, I said, Look, if you don't want an evangelist as your pastor, please don't pick me. Because I just like to jump over Christians to get to non-Christians sometimes because that's God's heart is he's reaching out, looking for the lost. And yes, we still need discipleship is our core business. But in that business, God is saying, are you looking out? Are you looking for them born-again experiences that don't just have to happen here? Hey, eight baptisms coming up. Eight baptisms. How cool is that? And how exciting this generation, not the next generation, they are the generation with us. They're not the church of tomorrow. We're the church of today. I'm a big believer that if you take a photo of a healthy church, you should see great grandma, great grandpa, every generation, the bubs. Like that, it's a family of God. It's every generation, and you, that we all feel empowered and released. Just on that, it was really good this week, just being in the office and getting to know Tim and Beck and Joe, and um, having a staff meeting and. Uh, getting head around some of the stuff and I feel really, really privileged with where, what you, where you guys are at, what is going on, especially that, that youth space and it's exciting. This is a great time to be a, a part of what God is doing here. Born again. I remember when I um, went to boarding school, I decided to make a few alterations with my Christian faith. I went to boarding school and did a cricket scholarship down here in Perth and I, I became a secret agent for Jesus. Has anyone ever been a secret agent for Jesus? That's when, you know what? You know you're a Christian, but no one else does. (laughs) Often that happens sometimes in your teen years, don't you? We go through that hard time and I knew I was a Christian. I, I sort of prayed. I even had a little Gideon's Bible tucked under my bed, but nobody else knew. And it's sort of that time of really discovering what am I about? Do I really want to believe in this? What am I going to do? And I was out uh, at a nightclub one night at the very early hours in the morning, just filling up on the things of the world. And I was empty, man. I was empty at 19 and I was so desperate for more. And I remember walking through the city because I couldn't get a lift home for about three hours as the sun's coming up. And as I'm walking home, I just started to weep and say, God, there's got to be more. And I just felt God calling me back. He said, you've got to come back, Brad. And I went to Langley Park that weekend and Steve Grace was singing. Steve Grace, the musician. And on that weekend, he sung a song and he, said, and he said this song. He said, I want to be someone someday. I don't want to throw my life away. I'm trying to do the best I can. Working out which way to go in a world I do not know to have the faith of Abraham. And as he sung that song at Langley Park, I wept and I repented. And I said, God, I want to give you my whole life again. And I went to a church. Um, at the time, it was Perth Christian Life Centre. And I remember going in there and I felt something I'd never felt before. I'd grown up in church and, and um, I was probably not aware of it that well then, but I felt the tangible presence of God. And I said to some of these young people, What is this? You know what they said to me? They said, You need to read the book of Acts and meet the Holy Spirit. I said, The Holy Spirit, what's He about? And it was there that I was filled with the Holy Spirit for the first time in a real fresh, powerful way that totally transformed not only my theology but my experience pretty quickly. And I suddenly received power to witness. As Acts 1.8 says, For the Holy Spirit will come upon you and He will give you power to be, not to do, to be something. You don't need to try when the Holy Spirit's in you. You're just going to be it because He's in you. And you're going to be it. And I discovered the lesson I learned in that period was we need the Holy Spirit. We are a spirit-filled, spirit-led church, a community not going on on the power of our own wind and sails, but we are going with the jet power of the Holy Spirit in us. I invite you to join the prayer initiatives that are happening in the church, because as we pray, we're going to set that foundation, that strong foundation. Someone once said you find out how much people love preaching when they rock up the church. Someone once said you find out how much people love worship when they go to the worship practice, but you find out how much people love Jesus when they go to the prayer meeting. (laughs) see you at the prayer meeting um (laughs) you know as I gave my heart back to God you know one thing I also discovered was that it's tough being a Christian isn't the easy road especially when you're young and I was um, starting to just go a bit lukewarm in my faith as a 20 year old there but it I could go into a lot of stories, but I won't. I'll just get to the the good ones. But uh, I remember I was sheep shearing because uh, what happened in the space of three months, I crashed my car, lost my license, and um, met a girl that uh, was going in the other direction. And my dad said to me, well, you we haven't got a license for three months, so you're in the shearing shed for three months. And so in that time, I learned to shear a sheep. And I thought, oh, well, this is, this is better than TAFE and all that stuff I was doing. I was doing a business course at TAFE and started shearing. And I went down south to up, a place shearing. And the first night I was there, walked in and to, the, to the pub where they would put you up and, and you would stay. And there was this gorgeous barmaid. And yes, I am talking about my wife, if you're wondering, what's he, where's he going with this story? And that's where me and Sky met down there at Jeramunga and and hit it off really ever since and um but i want to tell you when you're sort of lukewarm god has a way If you've committed your life to him he has a way of going after you he has a way i don't know where you're at this morning but your heart may be a bit lukewarm you sort of you you sort of just know it's not really where it needs to be but but god god hasn't he's not angry he's not upset you know i used to get up in the morning and say lord here's the list of sins i'm probably going to do today can you forgive me now and then i discovered the good news of the gospel he forgave me at the cross Not so that I can go and sin, but so I can be free from it. But I was just in the middle of that thing, if you know what I mean. Like I was sort of developing a professional sin and it's a sin. I was like a pro. I was good at it. And God delivered me from that. Anyway, as I remember going out to this one shearing shed, and I was my first time, I was learning, i learned to shear as fast as I could back then, and I wanted to shear, my goal was to shear 200 a day for 5 days in a row, 1000 in the week. Oh, this is the week we got into these good sheep and I'm in the first day, I just get to 200 and I'm pumped, you know, back at the pub telling everyone all about it, how good I am. And then go the next day, another 200. I remember going through the week, get to Thursday, and I Friday, I was just getting there. Friday, I think we we're going to knock off a bit early, so I had to go extra fast to try and get my 1000 for a week. I was... I was going after this and I remember about just after lunch, walking into the catching pen, coming back out and God arrested my attention with this sheep in my hand and it's like time stopped and I looked down on the pen gate. The pen gate that I'd been going in and out of 200 times a day, four and a half days, said John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And as I read that verse, I thought, what good is it to gain the whole world but lose your soul? And at that moment, I had this time with God where I was like, you know, we live in life and sometimes we're going in and out of doors. We're going in and out of our job, in and out of our marriage, in and out of our relationships, just doing life. Life gets so busy. But there will be a time where God will arrest your attention and say, how are your priorities going? Where am I in your life? Because he is a jealous God and does not desire second place, third place, fourth place. But he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness first. And then everything you need will be added to you. I want to encourage you that I'm believing for times where where lost people are going to come home. I see that in my heart, lost people coming home. To, To a church that is like the father in the prodigal son. The story where the son started to come home. He was sick of the pig pen. He was sick of the, that life, and he thought, "I just want to go back to my father's house. At least there, I can just be his servant." And and sometimes we have that mentality. I just just I'll just go back and and serve. But. The good news of the gospel is that when God sees your heart turned to him, the Bible says the father picked up his garment and ran towards his son totally undignified. Something men would not do in that culture was run or be seen running. But I'm here to tell you this morning that God is the kind of God that will be seen undignified to get to you, to meet you, to find you, as long as your heart is turned to him. Because he loves you that much. And I discovered a God that is with me even when I'm lost. Amen? Amen? Is this making sense? You know, I remember at that time I got serious with Skye, and I said to her, I sort of come out of the, the Christian closet and said, I'm, a born, I'm really serious about this stuff. And uh, if, you're gonna, if we're going to get serious, we're going to talk about it. There's another long story in that. But eventually, we, um, the second best decision of my life was engaging to Sky. So I actually went there. I asked Sky to marry me when we weren't even going out we had broken up because I thought it was the right thing to do and I wanted to get my life sorted out with God. So we'd broken up and we weren't even going out. And she went back down to up and was finding work down there. And one of my friends came up to me and he sat with me, a Christian friend. And he sat and he said, Brad, can I ask you a question? I go, sure. And he said, is Jesus the Lord of your life? And straight away I said, yeah. And he, he, go, and he stopped me and he said, is Jesus really the Lord of your life? Because I've, I've been watching you, I've been doing life with you. And I just stopped. And he goes... Why don't you make an honest woman out of Really? <laughs> and uh, long story short, I, just, I went around to see the pastor at the time and I said, Look, I really feel I've done the wrong thing. I think, I think I'm meant to marry that girl. But we're not even going out anymore. Oh, well, I'll just go and ask her if she'll marry me. So I got in the car. I got a ring from Meriden on the way down on a Friday night. They stayed open late for me. Uh, serious. We weren't even going out and I'm buying a ring. I get down to Jeremungup and I say, Let's go for a walk. And I actually wrote a poem. That's how the poetry comes in. And I uh, said, will you marry me? And she said, oh, I'll be stupid not to. She didn't really say that. No. But she did. <laughs> she didn't say that. And, and getting married, who knows that uh, a life lesson you can learn is how good is it to have a good woman in your life? Come on, hey, <laughs> Or a good man. We can go the other, you know, for the ladies. And um, things started to really shift there. And we entered into full-time church ministry after doing a year of sheep shearing and I was studying Bible college at night with Harvest West at the time and and then we started in full-time ministry. So we've been doing some form of ministry from that time 2006 um, at that time uh, in some way shape or form. I don't want to go through it all but I just want to share some of the little lessons that I've learned is that one of the big things and it's on my heart is that ministry is all about people. People above programs. There's many things we can do as a church, and who knows that the spiritual truth of this, you can have a lot of activity, but not necessarily productivity. Yeah, wow. And so just because there's a lot of activity, is there productivity? And I, I want to be, along with the elders, the type of leaders that, that really say, Lord, what, what is your heart on? What What is the things that you really want us to focus on this year, next year? What, 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 have, you, what have you got the touch of God on that we are focused about building people? I remember when I had my eyes off building people a bit and I went through a significant burnout in ministry and actually uh, suffered from terrible anxiety, terrible anxiety attacks to the point where I was nearly uh, hospitalised. I ran out of there because I didn't want to stay there. But um, they wanted to keep me in for observation. Very scary time in my life. And I had to quit ministry. This is about 12 years ago. You're thinking, who have we hired? This was a fair while ago. And um, it taught me so much, that did. taught me about the, the real heart of what ministry is and I remember recovering from that the healing journey I want to tell you and I mean this and uh, my family will vouch for this you I know you can get pretty dark and it can get pretty bad but who knows God can restore you God can restore it does not matter how dark how bad how ugly how foggy it gets God is a God he is the hope you know with with the rise of all the the, um, the complexities and all the mental illness that's around us, it doesn't really seem to be getting better. We have the answers. Yes, we need great doctors and counsellors, and I'm all for that, and medicine. But we also have to have Jesus. He is the answer. He is the Prince of Peace that you need in the midst of the storms. He is the answer. And I discovered that, man, if I'm going to do ministry, I'm going to have to get some healthy, healthy rhythms. And so we did some ministry, and we went over to um, Townsville, and we were a part of a church there, uh, not for, for a short period of time. They actually they bought a three story nightclub and turned it into a church. I was rapt because I said to Sky, "Look, if the church thing doesn't work out, <laughs> you're a barmaid. We can rock this joint." Anyway, it didn't. We weren't there for a long time, but then we um, came back to Mucca, We went to Bansdale. I was a youth pastor with a, uh, a ACC church over there, and that was a wonderful time of learning and being enriched and and then we felt that it just wasn't meant to be for the season, because who knows that WA is the place to live. I'm never leaving this place again. I don't want to leave. And so we came back, and that's when some storms, as some of you know, really started to hit our life. And you know, the lesson I learned through this is storms—they test what your anchor is held to. I remember we were just getting ready to do a, a wedding for my brother-in-law, Sky's brother, and we—she uh, was going to marry one of our our friends, and we were so excited and. I'd, uh, I was privileged enough to be asked to do the wedding, and we were coming back, and I'd um, done their vows and all that sort of stuff, and we had dinner together two nights before the wedding, and, and so tragically, that night, when they went to bed, Sky's brother never woke up, he died that night, uh, two days before his wedding as a 24-year-old, and you know, we had to really, uh, I was about to go into a new ministry role at that time, I thought I was ready, and uh, we decided, no, that's there's, there's not the time. And I just spent the year just as a family, healing and shearing. And God spoke something into my heart and he said, Brad, if you trust me, grief will be your visitor, but it won't be your resident. It doesn't mean you'll get over it ever. You don't get over stuff like that. You learn to live forward from that. But grief, as a Christian, we don't grieve without hope. remember that time when Sky was really, really wrestling with, with the grief and the pain and it was just gut-wrenching and we prayed a prayer about one o'clock in the morning held hands and said god i pray for my wife she needs some peace in this storm and a, a couple of days later i'd forgotten about the prayer and we we're driving back from an appointment and sky sort of went to sleep in the car and she with permission i share all these stories with permission by the way if you're wondering and i remember she just faded off for about five seconds and jolted and woke up in the car and just started crying and crying and crying and eventually was able to I said what happened and she said this guy didn't grow up in church either so this sort of language was different for her she said I just I just had a vision of my brother and he was smiling and he was he was in glory and he did heaven and he just smiled and he called me by my nickname and and we just went back and we just prayed about that. We just prayed for something, a sign or something. Lord, give us something for, to anchor us in the storm. What are we anchoring on? Something from God. Because man doesn't live by bread alone. He lives by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And God is still speaking today. I remember getting through that year and, you know, just because you get through one storm doesn't mean there won't be more. And the next year in, in January 2015, as you know, I've shared that story here when we were hit with cancer in our family with, with one of our children and walking through that cancer journey for a year which uh, sort of landed us in the Perth hills and seeing our son go well and overcome and be victorious and now six years clear praise the Lord six years clear this January and um, in the past and behind healed and whole and set free with long life he will satisfy me that's a poem that I say every day healed and whole and set free with long life he will satisfy me thank you Jesus and so we landed in the hills and one thing I want to tell you I learned from a couple of these storms, and it's a timeless truth, is this. Being a Christian does not disqualify you from adversity. And we need people to know that. Being a Christian doesn't disqualify from you, you from adversity, but being a Christian qualifies you for victory in every adversity you could ever face. Because no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Yes, they'll be formed. Yes, you might not understand. Yes, you might have the, the, the heartache and the pain. Because Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart! I've overcome the world. Come on, we are overcomers this morning, and you're an overcomer because of a simple thing. You overcome in in Christ, and I remember just holding on to that journey. And so then we went to the uh, as, as that journey sort of transpired. We started with Parkerville Baptist Church and. And I really thank God for our time—four and a half years, nearly—at Parkerville Baptist Church, and some people in the room who I've met there. And it's so so blessed. I love—thing I love about church is—it's the people, isn't it? The people you meet in the journey, the family of God spread near and far. And ministering there came a season come to an end at the start of this year. So I just sort of trying to catch us all up with where we're sort of at, and and we decided to to uh, resign from ministry, and take this season of just seeking God for what's next, and. And I just had so much peace about that decision once it was made, and um, therefore I had to get into fitness shape very quick and go shearing sheep again. And oh my goodness! So we've been doing that, and and um, and God's just settled us in the hills. Here's the thing I wanted to share with you: we really felt during this time that God said, geographically, you're not you're in the hills because we had such a heart for the people of the hills, uh, people everywhere, but just where we were located and getting involved in schools and family and friends. I just Love the hills. And so when this opportunity came up and was advertised, I thought I'd pray about it, put an application, in, and as you know, the rest is, as we say, history. And here we are with a much privilege and, and, and honor to be your pastor, to be praying for you. I want you to know that I'm looking forward to we're looking forward to getting to know you, to meet you, to uh, sharing in the journey and and really releasing you into all that God's created you to be, as I'm released into all that God's created me to be in fact if you want to know my a good job description we'll go to my last scripture which says this uh in ephesians 4 which says so christ himself christ himself don't you love that's the calling gave the apostles the prophets the evangelists the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the son of god and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. It's a huge mouthful, isn't it? And it's a huge assignment in front of us. But that's God's heart, that he's, he's given us gifts to the church. And I want to tell you one thing right up front. I'm not going to be everything to this church. I've got a part to play, but I'm praying and believing, as you are, that other gifts will rise up, that there will be the teachers, the apostolic, the prophetic, the evangelistic, the, the pastoral, And I'm not here to be all things to all men, as we know. And I love how the eldership have made that very clear and how they see going forward that we are to equip and release. And I really want to see that. In fact, you know, my first ever youth message I ever did, so this is back 2006 when I just started. I'm sort of wondering whether I made a mistake with this message because it was a little bit risky, but... But I think it was all right, because I said, I got all the youth in this mucker youth group in a circle, it was about 30 of them, I said, I want you to go around, and tell me what your dream is, tell me, I want to hear what's on, on your vision, your dream, and they went around, they all told me different crazy things as teenagers, what they dream, and one of them at the end, he goes, Brad, he said, but what's your dream? I thought, oh, thanks for asking, and uh, I said, you know what, my dream is to see you in your dream. I want to be a facilitator, somebody that releases you into your dream. And then I started to preach, and it just sort of came out of me, and I was like, where am I going with this? And I just said, you know what? In fact, I need you all to know you are not here by accident. I need you young people to know you were created on purpose. And I said to them, I can prove it to you. And they're looking at me, and I said, the fact that you were even born, the fact that you're even here tells me that you won a swimming race. (laughs) I know. This is where I started. My ministry started. And they're looking at me like, what, I said, no, it wasn't at the Mucka Pool with the six lanes. It wasn't the faction carnival. This was a race with not six people. There were millions of competitors. You were looking down and you were getting ready. I said, there was heaps of them. And guess what? When the gun went off, you went flying. And guess what? You swam. And the fact that you're sitting here at Youth Group is proof to me you won. I was like, get excited. You're a winner. And I was starting to think, man, I'm don't know where I'm going to head with this, but I kept going. I said, in fact, did you know that when you were born, there's a process, a thing called crowning? And that's when they really were like, where is, what is he? Th-? I said, because you're born with royalty. You should be wearing a crown. God's got a plan for you. He loves you. And you were crowned at birth. There was no way back from here. I was in. And I'm just so glad in those days, in 2006, they did not record these messages that the elders had no idea, sorry Phil, they had no idea what I was preaching on a, on a Friday night. But I just wanted these young people to know they were born with purpose, on purpose, and just to get that in their heart and spirit. And I want to tell you, it's the same here this morning. You're sitting next to someone who won a swimming race. You're sitting next to somebody who has got God's got plans for. You're sitting next to somebody with destiny for their life. And you are created, as the worship team, if they want to come back up, in Christ Jesus, with good works, prepared in advance, For us to do. And we don't start from a place of defeat, we actually start from a place of victory. We live not for victory, but from victory. And so I'm going to pray with us this morning in a moment as the worship team come back up. And I want to just encourage you as we embrace on this new season that it's not all going to be beer and skittles, as they say, it's not all going to be easy. It's going to be challenges and I know that for myself and uh, I know anything, it, it would be different if only I came every week and only I was part of the church, I'd just have to look after me, it'd be easy. But we've got people here, people who me and Sky are really looking forward to falling in love with, falling in love with what God is doing in your journey. If, if you read my email this week of, of, of listening, you know we want to lead with our ears first, be slow to speak, quick to listen slow to become angry. Hopefully I don't get too angry. But I want to be quick to listen to what God is doing, to discern. And so for this next early season, we'll be listening and learning, saying, Lord, show us, show us. Please know that we're here for you. Please know that you can talk to us. I'm never too busy for what God's called us to. Can I pray for us? Why don't we stand if you're in agreement with me, or in unity. Father, this morning, we do thank you so much for a fresh season, but also continuing on a journey that you're already in. God, I want to thank you for every person in this room, every age, every person that you love so much. I want to thank you for the, the witness and testimony of this faith community as we continue to go forward, We'll continue to grow, continue to be empowered, and continue to step into everything that you've called us to. Father, I'm praying for protection over this body of people. I'm praying for your love over them. I thank you that you are putting your heart in us for one another. I pray, Lord, for things that are said from this, this pulpit, especially from me. I now just commit it all to you, Father, to say, Lord, may I only glorify you. Would the things of my words and my flesh fall away every week, every time? And the things of your spirit rise up in us. Lord, I pray for growth in our hearts that we would become fully sold out, on fire, committed followers of Jesus. Lord, I pray for people here this morning that are, maybe some of the stories this morning resonated with them. They're either far from you at this time. They're lukewarm. They're not sure. So right from the very start, from our very first Sunday, I want to say this right now as we're in attitude of worship. During this next song or even after, I'm going to be at the front and there's other people that can, I know you're part of uh, trusted prayer people that can come and pray and the elders come down and pray. Come down and say, Brad, or one of the leaders or elders, I need prayer. Come down and say, hey, I'm not right with God. I want to repent this morning. If that's you, if God's working in your heart, I never want to miss a moment. There's not a throwaway Sunday. I'm not thinking, oh, we'll get into that as we go. We'll, we'll get more serious with it when we get, get down the track. No, it's now. God is the God that says today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to renew your heart. So if that's you this morning, feel free as the song is sung to come down. I'd love to pray with you as would other leaders. But Father, we commit this all to you. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.